Show number 148 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. So, William Shatner, Rules to Live Your Life By. Yes, it's coming out soon. Soon. And that's what he said to Craig Ferguson when he was shilling for all of the many things <laughs> that he always shills for. And I like that he had it all written down on a piece of paper that he had stuffed in his pocket. <laughs> well, you know, he is getting older. <laughs> And for some strange reason, busier. So even if he was 20 years younger, as busy as he is, I don't think he could remember all of his shilling to-do list. I, I totally agree. But I liked that when he was joking with Craig Ferguson about the people in the audience, he kept referring to them as elderly. Like, <laughs> so for William Shatner to be calling people elderly, what are they, 120? Well, <laughs> you know, I didn't see the beginning of the show, and it's quite possible Craig Ferguson does the strangest monologue in the world, and he may have... <laughs> He may, he may be referencing something Craig said, but I don't know. But anyway, I just like that. And that wait, Shatner... I just have to say, I I don't watch any of the late night talk shows, but, you know, if I'm up at that hour, I'll go, oh, good, Craig Ferguson is on. He is so funny. It is the so non-talk showiest talk mm-hmm. show. So It's great. He's just palling around with people and doing silly things yep. and, and laughing and having a good time. So I, I was just going to say, I think it's hilarious that Bill calls people his age or probably younger than him elderly. Yes. But not him. <laughs> He's not elderly. Not Bill. No way. No way. Um, so if you haven't watched it, um, everybody should go. We have it posted at the blog mm-hmm. and watch it because... Bill attempts to, to demonstrate a particular gait of one of his horses, and he makes Craig get down on his hands and knees on the floor and sort of do an imitation of a horse. And um, it's very weird and very sexual, but not at the same time. I've, and the funny thing is that afterwards, Craig Ferguson said um, that when he was being ridden by William Shatner, he felt more alive than he had in a very <laughs> long time. That was so funny. But I also like the fact that they got done with this silly thing, and then they both sat down in the guest chairs and mm-hmm. sort of sat there talking to each other like the show was over. Yeah. And, and they were just kind of going, so that bit didn't really work very well. No, sometimes, you know, it just doesn't. But there you go. That's the way it is. Well, I have to tell you, when I got my Shatner alert the next morning, that clip <laughs> made Shatner. it onto God knows how many different websites. And so many of the, the little notes that came with it were were just, you know, people repeating what other people have become aware of over the past several years is Bill is so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of them I really like because they, they were especially saying um, how fun it is when Bill is on Craig Ferguson's show <laughs> because you know, they're they're both insane in the same sort of way, but it also pointed out that Bill is very quick, and he even managed to top Ferguson a couple times, which most people cannot do. Mm-hmm. He does. He, he's so funny and so genuine, and they're just so relaxed and laughing yep. and having a good time. It's the best. It is. So that was awesome. So if people haven't gone and... and um, seen it you should totally go and see that oh and i also want to point out that it's also posted to our facebook page and recently we've gotten you know a few more likes you know i get Mm -hmm. these notices that so-and-so likes us and some new people commenting there and you know i'd love if if we got some real conversation going there because i do try to keep up with that i mean i keep up with that better than i do the mail obviously (laughs) from the last show but um 
So yeah, be sure and 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 I know at least one person was really surprised that that there was a Facebook page for Look at His Butt. So <laughs> I just don't be surprised, don't be shocked. It's there, and you should, you know, be be uh, liking it and being one of the people who who gets our little notices. Yeah. Well, I have to say that um, I just checked the stats for our blog, and there are 26 people who follow our blog. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just like, I don't follow anybody's blog. I mean, I I have it in my Google Reader, but that's not the same as following it. I think following it is a different thing that you do within LiveJournal, or Blogspot, rather. Oh, okay. I was going to say, that doesn't sound too impressive. (laughs) No, but it, it just, it's... You know, there are 26 people who always get the news from our blog. And then there are lots of other people who get it via other places. But, right. Um, and who hopefully just, you know, drop in on the blog and oh yeah, and I'm, enjoy I'm sure. what's going up there. Because I have to say this last few days has been uh, a particularly um, bumper crop of photos <laughs> and things. Uh, I just posted something to the blog about five minutes ago, which is a lovely little animated GIF. And I had to put it up there because it's from one of the old um, TV shows that Bill was in pre-Trek. And um, he's sort of bending over. I think it's from... uh that fugitive where he yeah. he plays the 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 lunatic um recreational scout camp guy or whatever yes, i think you're right so it's good because he's bending over and he's washing his hands and he's wearing i think as we commented on at the time when we watched it the tightest pants in the world oh yeah and he's not wearing any underwear so you just get this really really nice butt curve yeah. unimpeded by any panty lines or anything yeah it's just it's great so I, I encourage you all to go look at that. It's kind of hypnotic. Yeah. If you stare at it long enough. But then I started getting worried that Bill's hands were going to get chapped <laughs> because he was washing them so vigorously for so long. Uh, um, another thing that we posted to the blog came to me. Um, I don't even know who sent it to me, but um, it might have been our man in New Zealand, but it was the Kirk doorknob. Oh, my God. Yes. Which I really, really love. And it's from a blog called Vibrant Oxymoron, which has a lot of Trek stuff posted there. And this was just so perfect. Uh, And I want to read the text that accompanies the picture. Now, the picture is um, this this person, I think it's a woman, has taken uh, a sticker of Captain Kirk, like sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, one of those classic poses where he's holding the communicator, and put it behind the doorknob. Of, of the door so that the doorknob is in exactly the right place. <laughs> and she says, Captain Kirk guards the door to my room. Using advanced technology, he and Spock devised a way to shrink him to the size of a doorknob and make him two-dimensional. Posted behind the doorknob and disguised as paper, he is ready to report danger to me at any time. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I just love it. Uh, yes, I, I that love- is a... a- beautiful ingenious bit of ingeniousness it's just wonderful so that was really great so yeah we've been getting all kinds of interesting weird um intersections of trek with with other things and uh people just keep sending them in because they're so incredibly awesome um i wanted to mention that the other day maybe yesterday the day before i just happened to catch aftermath and it was Mm -hmm. bill's interview with sydney Biddle Barrows, the yes. Mayflower Madam. And this is a very interesting interview, and it's an hour long, so it's not cut down to absolutely nothing like 
um, like the other one sometimes is. Mm -hmm. And they're not sitting in those weird chairs. But in the first minute, and I am not exaggerating, the first thing he says to her is, you are a beautiful woman. And, it, you know, the juices, it's obvious <laughs> that the juices are still flowing and you're juicy. And <laughs> it's like, whoa. But it, it is a really interesting interview. And because Bill gets free sex all the time, he is just fascinated by this whole idea of people paying for it. And he makes wow. her walk him through. Okay, so I'm a client who calls in, you know. And, okay, now I'm a girl interviewing for the, the job. And <laughs> it, it's actually a very good interview. But it is, as I, I said, I think maybe to you or maybe I posted it, it's fascinating how fascinated he is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, he is intensely curious about everything. Yes. And, and this doesn't surprise me. Now, as long as we're talking about this, and maybe we've discussed this, but I can't remember, do you think Bill's ever paid for sex? Well, you know, he became friends with a prostitute. Um, <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> no, this was in his, his uh, uh, Me So Horny book. Me So Horny, okay. And we did discuss that. But um, I, okay, you know, he talks about how when he was y younger, you know, having a fascination with girls and everything, but I don't think he had enough money to mm -hmm. ever pay for it. Mm -hmm. And once he got the money, he didn't have to because mm -hmm. he's just so fucking sexy. Yeah. I so I really kind of doubt he ever has. I, I just can't think that he ever would ha have to or need to that if he was really like he really needed to get laid that he couldn't find someone out there. To, to accommodate him. Well, you know, you know, I remember when, maybe it was Hugh Grant, maybe, but I'm thinking it was earlier, some celebrity was caught, you know, with a call girl. Mm -hmm. And it was some very sexy person. And I was talking to a friend of mine, and I said, why? This, this guy could get anyone. Why would he pay someone? And my friend had a very interesting response. He said, because when they're done, she goes away. Mm-hmm. And certainly, if you have a certain amount of, you know, glamour attached to you, um, many of the people who will hop into bed with you, of course, want more than just the sex. They want to be part of your life and, mm -hmm. you know, make more of it than it is. So, you know, there is that possibility. But, you know, his... I, 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 I just... I think that, that... Well, you know, he did talk to her a little, uh, a little bit about this idea of um, of sex that isn't love making mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you could tell that was that was something that Bill wouldn't really want to be involved in I mean even if it's a you know a one-time thing you know somebody's mm -hmm. banging in his dressing room I think he thinks of it as love making I, I think you're right about and that I'm and I'm pretty sure that if he had to give her money he wouldn't be thinking of it as love making yeah. Well, here's the thing. It seems like Bill, um, more than maybe some other actors who might end up paying for sex, for example, would be the kind of guy who would know women within his peer group mm -hmm. who would be up for it, you know? Yes. Sort yeah. of a no strings attached. Let's just go and have a fun afternoon of, you know, getting high <laughs> and then going out for barbecue afterwards. Um in in just because he's so um, friendly and open and just you know able to have that kind of relationship with with women and but with other people that you know he he's genuinely sort of a, a fun well he is now anyway but you know a kind of a fun guy to be around mm -hmm. 
Whereas I don't think that's the case with a lot of, I mean, let's take somebody like um, uh, someone that I don't know anything about, but let's take Brad Pitt, for example. Okay. You know, I, I, I can almost imagine that it would be hard for him to find, you know, a sexual partner in his own peer group because he's got so much image around him, mm-hmm. you know, that, that he just isn't very open and friendly. I, I don't perceive him as that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm totally wrong about that, but Bill has never seemed like up in the stratosphere kind of guy. Right, right. So, you know, like he's, he's, he sees beautiful women all the time and they're interested in him and he's interested in them and it seems like it would just be easy. Yeah, it's true. I think he would have really liked to, in addition to interviewing Sydney, I bet he would have loved to have interviewed some of the girls and some of the clients. Yes, I think he'd be great. Yeah, he's just he's so good at that and gets people to say all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, speaking of Bill and interviews, let's cover one more little topic. Um, okay, which was that he did a very interesting interview for the CBC. Yes, which was a radio interview, but they videotaped it also. Uh, so you got to see him in the studio, and he talks a lot about his stage acting. And not so much about uh, Star Trek and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's good. It's a really nice look back on how he got started and what it was like being in the theater back then. And I thought it was really, really good. Um, despite the fact that the interviewer was kind of a jerk. <laughs> That's almost anyway. a given, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, the best part about it, as you mentioned on the blog, is that um, while he's doing the interview, he also takes a, a long drink of water. And there is an actual Shatner swallow in real life. Mm-hmm. It, it's not one that he did, which just made me laugh and laugh and laugh that <laughs> now that's the way he drinks water. Well, what I noticed when I saw it, too, is, yes, definitely a Shatner swallow. It Probably because he, he had to rush it a little because he was going to mm-hmm. speak. You know, so it wasn't it wasn't the full elaborate thing of, you know, he really didn't look at it too intently or afterwards before or afterwards. But still, it was the Shatner swallow. And this is the way Bill consumes liquids. (laughs) Do you know? I mean, imagine if you had to interview him like like that stupid out to lunch thing. And Mm -hmm. you actually had to watch him drinking liquid while you were talking like i i would just be falling on the floor laughing well i'm just right this minute because you you said it um imagining you interviewing him and trying to you know be a serious good interviewer and then he takes a sip of coffee and you go oh my god you just did the shocker swallow do it again do it again (laughs) it would be so distracting i mean you'd just be stuck looking at him and I, I would be hypnotized every time because then every time he picked up the glass, I'd be waiting for it. Yes. Right. Yes. So, so I'd be in mid sentence and I'd be saying, so tell us about the next album. <laughs> wait, wait. Oh, OK. Tell us about the next album. <laughs> it, it would just be bad. It would totally disrupt it. So I don't I don't know why more interviewers don't get distracted by that. Maybe it's just me. Well, and, you know, maybe they aren't really aware because they haven't studied it the way you have. <laughs> that that's such a Shatnerism. I'm so surprised that this isn't more of a thing, you know? 
like people make fun of, of the other ticks that that Bill has and all that, but I haven't seen anything. The about only one the they make one. fun of is the the speech. They've never gotten over that. This is true, but uh, but other people have um, picked up on other. Um, sort of mannerisms that he has mm-hmm. like like that one comic what's his name frank uh caliendro i think it is oh yes yes so the the one thing that he picked up on that i hadn't seen other people do was in in present day shatner acting the way he sort of does that deep inhale and his voice sort of drops half an octave uh-huh like i hadn't seen people pick up on that but he does it very well and it's true that's a thing that yes Bill does yes. when when he's acting now so, I don't know. I, I think there needs to be, you know, just a branch of Shatner studies devoted to the swallow. <laughs> Maybe I should head that up. Uh, yeah, uh, I think so. <laughs> yeah, in, in all my spare time. Right, all right. My spare time. I have to tell you one other thing. This is under the, um, the topic, Bill doesn't like to lose. <laughs> Somebody yes. posted, it was a, a, like a compilation of clips from maybe three of the Battle of the Network stars where he was the captain. Mm-hmm. And um, most of these clips from the, the, the three years in a row had to do with this uh, silly kayaking thing mm-hmm. where you, you had to, your team, it was a, a handoff, you know, had to, to um Hop, whoever did it, you know, had to hop in this plastic kayak. It was like a, a pool toy, and and paddle to the other end and go around a boy, and and come back. And then the other person had to jump in. And <laughs> the funny thing is, in one of them, um, Bill Bill was so so good. I mean, he was one of their best kayakers. Really, of really course, good. Of course, he was. But in one of them, he just got screwed up. I mean, he wasn't spinning in circles, but he didn't have good control and he you know crossed the line went over in the other person's lane and you know then managed to get out of the way um and they came in second that time this is how competitive bill is (laughs) he goes up to the umpire (laughs) to argue that they should not be penalized because the rules state that you if you do get penalized if you interfered with the other kayak, but there was no interference. Oh. They never touched it. They didn't, you know, block it or anything. And who's ever doing it is trying to interrupt him and saying, Bill, you weren't penalized. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, he's so committed. He's just so committed. Oh, absolutely. And the best was the first one. He was, uh, he was always um, the last guy, okay? Mm-hmm. So it would be his win. But um, he was so far ahead that when he got like two-thirds of the way across on the way back, he just kind of held his paddle in the water and, you know, just coasted in just so smooth. (laughs) Howard Cosell goes, Bill Shatner is such a hot dog out there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he is. In every way that you could possibly mean that, Bill Shatner is a hot dog. And then they also called him a showboat. He was a showboating hot dog. (laughs) He is. And you could put more adjectives in there, and it would still be true. Yes. <laughs> anyway, it was really fun to see him arguing with the ump. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, my God. Oh, all right. I tell you what. Let's take a little break, and then I've got a serious topic for us to discuss. Oh, okay. So get ready. All right. All right. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission 
to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. We say it all the time, but I'll say it again. We love hearing from you. Blogging at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Comments to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This podcast recorded on a MacBook Pro with GarageBand. So here's the topic, and I, I, it relate, it gets to Star Trek eventually, but okay. it starts off somewhere else. So we're, we're going to kind of come at it obliquely, but you'll see it all ties together. I have total um, faith in you. Okay. So as we've been discussing in our real lives offline, I've been really enjoying Doctor Who. Yes. Um, it's wonderful, and Matt Smith as the Doctor is awesome, and um, I really, really like it. So it's been fun. I've really loved the um, sort of the fun that they bring to it and that the series seems to be, you know, updated in a really nice way. It feels very modern, and mm-hmm. it's funny, and it's scary, and it's all the things that I think a show like that should be. So while I was browsing around, um, I found an interview, a very recent interview, with this um, comic book artist who is English, and his name is Chris Weston, and I've read comics that have his art in him. He's a wonderful artist. He's really good. And so he doesn't like the new Doctor Who. Oh, okay. Now, I have to jump in here and say I have not seen any of the new Doctor Who but I, I'm still catching up. There are tons mm-hmm. of the David Tennant Doctor Who that I mm-hmm. haven't seen. And I absolutely do adore him as Doctor Who. And I adore Catherine Tate as the last companion he had. Mm-hmm. I wa- I'm not that crazy about Rose. But okay, go ahead. Okay. So here's what he has to say. And you'll see in a minute how this relates to Star Trek. So um, the interviewer says, um, I am not a huge, well, the copy, it's, I am not a huge science fiction fan, but Doctor Who is not a sci-fi show. Now, is this the interviewer talking or the artist? Uh, This is the artist. Oh, okay. I would imagine for pure sci-fi fans, it's too self-indulgent. So I read that and I was like, Doctor Who is not a sci-fi show. And then I thought, okay, it's a show about a time-traveling alien who flits around the galaxy you know, solving crimes in his van and stuff like that. <laughs> and basically, you know, having these amazing adventures. How is that not a science fiction show? Well, it's obvious he has a very specific definition of science fiction, which sounds to me like when somebody says it's self-indulgent, I almost thought he was going to say it's too silly. And I, so... I you know, get to that later on. Actually. Okay, okay, all right. So... um I agree with you. It is a sci-fi show. It's um, yeah. it, it, and it's I think a unique sci-fi show. Yeah, and and so they they there's a whole long discussion about this, and he's saying lose the soap opera aspects and beef up the science fiction. Like okay, and this kind of criticism of of the show mm-hmm. is exactly the same kind of criticisms that I've seen about Star Trek many, many, many times. Well, I was going to say what he's calling the soap soap opera action is to me the interaction of characters, yes. and that's what makes it. I'm, I don't want to say watchable because I'm implying that if they didn't do that, it wouldn't be watchable. But if they didn't have that, I would not be watching it. Yeah, exactly. And and this is so, uh, bringing it back to Star Trek, 
I, I see very much in this the way that you and I have seen some stuff in the fan community where there are people who are really into like the hard science fiction aspects, like they want to write ship porn kind of <laughs> yes. fiction. You know, it's all about the technical aspects. And they would like the filmed version of it to be like that, to be all about the technology. And wouldn't that be the most boring show in the world? I mean, that's not what Star Trek is about. Star Trek is all about how the characters interact with each other. Well, you know, years and years ago, I read some of the um, the early classic, you know, what people call the golden age of sci-fi, when it was mm -hmm. all men writers. And... Mm -hmm. And it's what they, they, they call hard sci-fi. And one of the things I noticed was there was a lot of adventure to it. And, and you know, that was good. But uh, the characters were nothing. They mm -hmm. were not any good at all at writing characters. And the stuff that, that I grew to love was the stuff that came along a little later and then, you know, much more recent, is the characters dealing with the human aspects of these incredible things. And that, to me, grounds the sci-fi. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Like, <laughs> who wants to read about or watch a show where there's no human beings, you know? Or, or, or some, you know, ideas or feelings or something where people are interacting with each other, even if they're not humans. You know, that, that's kind of what makes it the fiction part. Yes, and the other thing is, one of the things I loved about David Tennant in the role of the doctor is um, there was a lot of humor to it. Mm -hmm. But it was always the aspect of, aren't I lucky to be doing this? I love doing this. And then there were some very poignant moments, probably what this person considers soap opera, when you know, there was a more reflective thing of he is the last of the Time Lords that he's in. In, in, in the one I happened to just see the other day was, was very touching about, you know, why he always gets rid of his companions or drops mm -hmm. them off or whatever because they, they age and will mm -hmm. die and he never will. Mm -hmm. And he said something about, you know, imagine watching your, your closest friend die over and over and mm -hmm. over. You know, and and so uh, to me, that's uh, both of those aspects are are very Kirk-like, in that he loves his job, mm -hmm. but he also is aware of what he gives up to do this job, of what his destiny is. Yeah, here's another quote. The guy says, here, here's how he would improve the show, Doctor Who again. He said, it should get back to exploring philosophical and ethical dilemmas in alien or future settings. But it does kinda, that <laughs> all the time. <laughs> That's what the show is about. Like, like what? I, I don't understand how you think. Is it like people sitting around talking about philosophical and ethical dilemmas, or figuring it out with a computer? You know, like how sciency can you make philosophical and ethical dilemmas? And those are the best episodes of Star Trek mm -hmm. when when there was some hard decision that had to be made where there was a dilemma or some problem that didn't have an easy black or white answer to it. And and the the and I'm going to say human even though it frequently involved aliens, but the human aspect of that is what makes it real. Like you can, you know, you could talk about overpopulation, you could have a panel talk about overpopulation. Or you could instead of telling, you could show the mm -hmm. effects of this incredibly overpopulated planet. 
and the extreme they will go to to relieve this situation. Now, that's a philosophical question for you. Yeah. And just because it's wrapped within entertainment and just because it has characters that we care about doesn't make it soap opera or, or non, not science fiction. That's just, he screwed up. Yeah, I mean, it, those kinds of philosophical and ethical dilemmas don't have anything to do with um, spaceships, you know? Right. Like, or computers. Right, and the spaceship really was just, I think, the, the means of getting them from adventure to adventure. You know, so mm-hmm. they could go explore the Vietnam War and they could go explore, you know, overpopulation and, and you know, all these other things. The show, to me, and this is probably sacrilege to a lot of people, was not about the ship. It was about the people on the ship and the people they encountered. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and the, the, the ship and all the technology and all the futurism and all the alien stuff allowed them creative solutions to problems. Right. Wh- which were sometimes really ingenious and cool and sometimes were really stupid mm-hmm. <laughs> when the writers just would throw something in there like, oh, didn't I tell you that, that I have a third eyelid? You know? Yeah. Like, th- that kind of stuff was just, oh, come on. Well, you, you know what? I was thinking out. just today, um, there was a report on the news, and I didn't know this. On the average um, airplane flight, commercial flight, the mm-hmm. pilot only flies the plane for three minutes. Wow, that's amazing. Take off and landing, unless there are problems. The rest of the time, they're on autopilot. Wow. And what they found was in, and because of this, there are a lot fewer fatal crashes, okay? So I'm not, you know, saying mm-hmm. it shouldn't be that way. But in some cases, when it came time for the pilot to take control and have to handle things, mm-hmm. because he wasn't practiced, he did the wrong thing, uh. and people died. And I was thinking, so how much of our, our lives do we put in the hands of technology? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help thinking of the Star Trek episode, The Ultimate Computer. Computer, of course, yeah. That, that these people who are supposedly trained to fly these jumbo jets, they were pointing out one where, um, I can't remember which, which crash it was, but a number of people died where... Uh, they got some sort of error message. Oh, and the, the engine cut out. And the pilot uh, lifted the nose, which is the opposite of what you're supposed to do in that situation. Mm. And they crashed and people died. Wow. And it was, you know, because he had to take over from the autopilot. And I think, you know, that's that's kind of scary. But to me, that's an issue that Star Trek, in its own way, and in one of its very best episodes, addressed. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And it's one of the reasons that I think Doctor Who is such a good show, because he as a character, very much in that Kirk way, is very hands-on, right? I mean, yes. he's got like magic and technology, but he solves problems by coming to grips with them, sometimes very literally. You know, mm-hmm. he wants to hold things in his hands and touch stuff and and manipulate things you know he doesn't rely on the magic of the TARDIS or or Mm -hmm. the sonic screwdriver all the time just to fix stuff and the thing is with the powers he has he could just go in and fix stuff but Mm -hmm. he wants to understand the problem Mm -hmm. he wants to know what is going on and why yeah exactly 
So this, I, I have to get back to something that we were talking about with um, our friend Mike Hall a couple shows ago. That mm-hmm. I, I think the doctor and Kirk are like such good icons for being critical thinkers, you mm-hmm. know, for being skeptics and wanting to understand stuff, and not just leaving things on autopilot all the time. They right. really want to come to grips with things. Right. So anyway, I thought this guy was totally wrong-headed and an idiot for not liking um, current Doctor Who. But I just thought it would be a nice way to bring up this discussion about Star Trek because I, I still see it come up, you know. I, I still, In some quarters, Star Trek still doesn't get respect for being a really good science fiction show. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, it was such a pioneering science fiction show because the science fiction, such as it was before that on television, was... Um, anthologies, or Lost in Space, which was campy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this was, and this is part of why I think a lot of people didn't know what to make of it, that it it was a drama. It was Mm -hmm. a, a, you know, it was, you know, a hospital drama, a lawyer drama, a cop drama. It was all of those things in outer space. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't quite know what to make of it. And many of the things that followed it, um, I think, learned from that and were careful to define themselves in certain ways so as not to confuse the audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if it hadn't been for something like Star Trek, the shows that I think in many ways, not just science science fiction, but many shows that actually do uh, deal with some some philosophical and some human problems and those, those questions might not have been able to do that. I mean, that was being pioneered by, in many ways, the Twilight Zone and and things like that. But to do it with repeating characters Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. a different thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, you know, thinking about the subsequent Star Trek series, I think that those shows were at their best when they were doing exactly that, when they were letting the characters come to grips with things. Mm -hmm. And that was part of the reason why, for me, Next Generation didn't quite hit the mark sometimes, because they were a little too reliant on technology and being, you know, too cerebral and kind of, you know, meditating on problems and letting technology solve things for them. And it was Mm -hmm. a much better show when the characters were really getting involved with what was going on. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, and, and that's part of the reason, again, I have to bring up Deep Space Nine, which was just all about what the characters were doing. And there was hardly any technology in that, really. <laughs> aside, aside from the fact that they were on, you know, like this alien space station, there wasn't a lot of technology happening. Um, and I just have to bring up the one thing that I think after, after much time I've come to the conclusion, I truly, truly hate in TNG. <laughs> and that's the holodeck. I just, so many people have pointed out that once mankind develops a holodeck, they would never do anything else ever again. Oh, yeah, completely. And, and that is, is so true. But also, okay, we didn't ever see the, the, uh, the, the crew of the, the Enterprise in TOS, you know, bowling, although we've been told there was a bowling alley. We did see them, you know, working out or hanging around the rec lounge a little. But I'm thinking, okay, as advanced as they are, if I was one of the writers, I would have found a way to seriously limit that. Like, the holodeck consumes so much energy Mm -hmm. that we can only use it for, you know how right now, you know, we do a lot of experiments um, 
like up on the space station and stuff because mm -hmm. we can't replicate those conditions. So it should only be used like for scientific stuff like this. This fun and games and always getting screwed over by it. Getting themselves into such stupid troubles. You'd think they would have learned after like the fourth episode where things went horribly wrong. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think there was um, just way over-reliance on it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, I, I completely agree with you. It, it became it became a joke. It became just a, a, a convenient way for the writers to not leave the ship, mm -hmm. but leave the ship anyway. Yeah. And to put them in silly costumes and do things. You know, I, I think some of the episodes that focused on the holodeck were, were good episodes, but they could have found a way to do them without it being a holodeck episode. <laughs> well, I remember at a con once I heard Michael Dorn speak. And somebody asked him <clears throat> about writing a script for Star Trek. And he said, it's never a good idea to write a script based on the idea, wouldn't it be funny if Worf... <laughs> yeah, dressed up like Robin Hood. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. I, I agree. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think I agree with you. I mean, that... The idea that the holodeck was someplace that you could enter physically, like you would be standing mm -hmm. in a physical space and, and using your body the way you normally would, as opposed to what's more likely to happen, which is that it's a completely um, brain-driven experience, That's right? what I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the way it's going to be. It's ridiculous to build a room that consumes all this energy when you could just put a little helmet on your head and have exactly the same kind of experience mm -hmm. with the same sensory input. That would have been so much better. And you could still have had those very interesting episodes, like the one with Moriarty and the one with, you know, the secret agent and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, just without the, the silliness of the whole holodeck concept. And, you know, I also think it was this really flimsy excuse for, oh, well, we're making the characters multidimensional by making, you know, Picard really be into this private investigator thing, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know. <laughs> we're making the characters multidimensional by having them dress up in costumes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's put on a show. <laughs> <laughs> See, um, that would be my holodeck experience. Yeah, exactly. Oh, here's a question for you, as long as we're we're discoursing on this. Okay. Do you think Kirk would have ever used a holodeck for for entertainment purposes? I'm thinking of the Kirk who uh, has frequently rejected fantasy mm -hmm. in in favor of reality, and the man who says, "I need my pain," mm -hmm. and. Uh, I think, you know, he would have tried it once. And on some level, no matter how fantastic the experience was, the knowledge that it wasn't real would kill it for him. Mm -hmm. I think I agree with you. And I also think that Kirk, being the guy that he is, has had so many amazing experiences and could walk out the door and have an amazing experience. Why would he even need a holodeck? Yeah, yeah. Every day of his life is better than anything the holodeck <laughs> could conjure up. Because he's Kirk. Because he's, he's Kirk. Kirk. And he can't hear you over the sound of how awesome he is. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that... that <laughs> 
that Captain Kirk is what people make their holodeck experiences <laughs> about, right? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Did so, you ever read uh, Killa's story, The Ghost in the Machine? Yes. Oh, that's a great story. It really is. Yes. I encourage people to seek that out if they've never read it. And really that good. is a very Kirk ending. Yeah. That's really good. Um, but yeah, so that's that's going to be my new thing that like in the holodeck on the TNG Enterprise, there's a whole library that's just devoted to um, experiencing Captain Kirk. <laughs> so having his adventures and kind of being his best friend and of course having sex with him and all that stuff. And that, that's what people do. That is the most used part of the holodeck library. Yep. You know, like screw hanging out with Genghis Khan and all that. Who mm -hmm. wants to do that when you can go hang out with Captain Kirk? Right. That's what people want. Give the public what they want. <laughs> okay, have you heard this piece of news? And I'm not sure it's real news yet. Okay. But there is talk <gasps> that talk? a new Star Trek series has been pitched. Oh, my God. And it will be set in the post-Voyager era. What? Uh, okay. And that's all I know. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Well, I didn't think there were going to be any more Star Trek episodes or series or anything. Yeah, well, it's the franchise that won't die, for which we are grateful. Uh, it just makes the, uh, the original one look so good. <laughs> wow, that's very interesting. Well, I guess so. You know, um, Brent Spiner, I follow him on Twitter because he's very funny. Mm -hmm. And so someone asked him recently whether there would ever be any more TNG movies. And he said, nope, it will never, ever happen. Um, that's for, what I heard. Yeah, for various legal reasons more than anything else. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess if there's no, not going to be any more TNG movies, they're not going to be making any movies about any of the other series. And the only thing left to do is either the new franchise or starting a whole new thing. I guess. Okay, so here's my big question. Um, you know, TNG was just set to be post-TOS. Mm -hmm. But then they got into this, hmm, let's have a black captain. <laughs> let's have a female captain. Mm -hmm. What are they going to have? A midget? An alien. They're going to have an alien captain. You are so right. That's, that's the only way they can go, right? Yep, yep. And it'll be an alien with funny bumps on their forehead. Or it'll be a Vulcan. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, come on. Who wants to see that? Really? Well, really? what I'm wondering is, okay, it's set in post-Voyager, but is it post-Voyager that timeline or post-Voyager they blew up Vulcan timeline? Oh, and I'm... here's the other thing. Zachary Quinto recently said, well, you know, it's science fiction, so anything could happen, so Vulcan could come back. Okay, they they are not just having their cake and eating it too. They're baking it at the same time. Oh my god! It's like, no, you know, pick something. Really, there have to be like fixed events that happen. That is even true in Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching an episode where they were talking about how there are fixed events in time that can't be changed. Mm -hmm. And I think Vulcan blowing up was probably one of those events. In that timeline, yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> you no can't go just backs go back. on that. There's no do-over. There's no reset button for blowing up the planet. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know whether, well, I, I guess if the right people were behind it, a new series could be interesting. You know, mm -hmm. if there's some other take on it that hasn't been done before or some hook that would make it interesting but again it has to be about the right people 
Yeah. And whether it has spaceships or not, or star, or you know, outposts or not, or time travel or not, it doesn't matter. The characters have to be good. Will it have a gay couple or an openly gay character? Oh, probably. Ooh, maybe that'll be the captain. A <gasps> gay captain. A gay alien captain. A gay alien handicapped captain. <laughs> Right? Let's just shove it all in there to, to check off all the boxes. A female gay alien handicapped captain. Uh, yep. <sighs> who fought in Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> and who used to be a, 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 a traitor or an enemy or something like that. Yeah, right? yeah. Got to work that in, too. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We will see. Well, listen, I don't think I have anything else um, bill-worthy at the moment. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, that that was pretty much like my big discussion, which actually turned out really good, so I'm glad we talked about that. Yes, me too. Glad you brought that up. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Um, bill is doing uh, another series of Weird or What. I just read a little interview where he was talking about that. Oh, so okay. All right. That's good. That's something to look forward to. And, I, you know, I haven't even managed to watch one of those all the way through. I think I saw the first few minutes of one. And I don't I think never I've ever it. seen it. I don't, I never seem to, to catch it or know what, what um, network it's on or anything. But I have to say, um, the Aftermath interviews I've seen were good. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm going to try to, to catch more of that because it's really interesting to see Bill so fully engaged. Mm-hmm. He's great. He's a good listener. He really oh, is. Yeah. And and that's part of the reason why I think people like to talk to him. Because mm-hmm. he actually listens to what they're saying. Yes. And if you know something he doesn't know, he wants to know it. Yeah. He wants to have it fully explained to him. Even if he doesn't understand it after you're done explaining it to him. Yeah. He still, he still wants to hear about it. Yep. And then he'll just ask you the same questions later. (laughs) How does this work again? (laughs) Kind of like his Twitter feed. Exactly like his Twitter feed. (laughs) I I think um, I was telling you the other day, and he he tweeted something, and I I suspected that Bill actually wrote this himself because it was so cute. He he said, "Um, I've been competing in a horse show this weekend. I won a ribbon. My best, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember you and I were talking about it. It sounded like a letter you'd write to your grandma. It did. Oh, it's so cute. That's why I thought it was really him. Who yes. Said it. Yes. I, I won a ribbon. Yes. <laughs> oh man, that cracked me up. Okay, let's let's wrap this up. I okay. think we're we're reaching the end of our our silliness phrase, and it it could just get really out of hand. Um, so um, maybe next time we'll have an opportunity to to watch something, and um, yes. maybe I don't know try to track down some weird or what it might be good to actually watch one and talk about it and see how good it was right that would be good that would be good so everybody please keep sending us email um, alerting us to things follow us on the blog at look at his and at our fabulous facebook hangout yes well. yes because uh we we post things there and we also mm-hmm. post them on the blog and you know we're just trying to be in as many media as we can yeah, we'll never catch up with Bill, but oh, who we're trying. Will? Who will? We're trying. We're we're really trying. Yep. And um, remind me again when the album's coming out. I don't isn't know. It, the book it is in October. Okay. I don't know when the, what the album's date is. Okay. I kept thinking it was soon because that's going to be exciting when yeah. it comes out. Oh, yeah, it will. Mm-hmm. 
I bet he'll get a ribbon. <laughs> oh, that'd be good. Maybe Bill will win a Grammy. Can you imagine? I think he should have won something for um, has been. Has been. This is true. That well, well, it, it, the, the, and one of the great things about it now is there have been a bunch of articles lately because Rolling Stone did its worst covers of all time, and so of course they include Bill in that. But so many of the articles that reported on it have have also said. But then years and years later, this guy puts out this phenomenal album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. It's true. It's phenomenal. So I, I'm very curious to see what this record is, is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Me too. Okay. All right, listeners. Let us know when Bill's album's coming out because neither of us can be bothered to look it up on Google. <laughs> At least I can't. I don't know about you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with yet another episode of Look at His Butt. Yay. Okay. Bye. Bye.